Welcome back. Since listening to part one of this two-part episode, have you successfully changed your LinkedIn career title to Spellcasting Chantress? We have an opening for an internship coming up soon, so get on it. Or maybe since listening to part one of this episode, you've had a chance to reflect on your missteps in life and want to hide your hideous Dorian Gray-like sins from the gods. You know, assuming it's too late in the game to change your evil ways. Hey, we've all been there. If that's the case, you'll want to pay close attention to the second half of our Book of the Dead episode, starting now. Death Party! The coffin texts, known as the Book of Vindication, more accurately, the Book of Vindicating a Person in the Realm of the Dead, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Why, my dear Miss Lady, whatsoever type of imagining should set upon you that you should question my adherence and admiration for brevity, I do ponder indeed. Yes. The Book of Vindication derives its name in Egyptology from reference to the practice of inscribing inside coffins some of the pyramid texts and the other texts which incorporated various general and non-royal traditions. Hmm. And here I like to interpret general traditions as like an army type general. So mostly I just want to visualize the coffin texts as being applied like guerrilla marketing style as these, you know, metal looking flyers getting thrown up by a little dude in a military uniform on the inside of coffins. A little dude? Yes. Yeah. He has to be small enough to fit into coffins of all Mm. sizes. How little are we talking? Does he have to squeeze through the slit in the side of the coffin or sarcophagi? Is he like three millimeters little? And if he's so little, how does he find pants that fit? I have a friend who's Mm. small, and I hear that finding good pants can be an issue. Hmm. That's not a problem I have. I cannot relate to that one. (laughs) You're not three millimeters big. That's true. Rub it in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Your career as a metal flying general of Egyptian sarcophagi is out the window. Damn it. All of my dreams. The coffin texts came after the pyramid texts, chronologically, and were still funerary texts, but were different from the pyramid texts in a few key ways. Yeah, they were for poor bitches that can't afford to be buried (laughs) under giant pyramids. (laughs) Well, yeah, basically. (laughs) They were also written in a cursive form of hieroglyphs. Hmm. So unlike the pyramid texts, which were unillustrated, the coffin texts were occasionally enhanced with vignettes. Ah, yay art! I know, it's so exciting. They also include maps, guides, and passwords needed in the afterlife. So the pyramid texts didn't have passwords? Mm-hmm. Huh. The rich folks just showed up at the gates to the afterlife, cut the line, and were like, Don't you know who I am? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> this will not stand. Uh, we have smartphones now, so you can see how outdated this is. But at the time, all you could do was get it down on paper or papyrus, as the case may have been. Yeah, you're such a millennial. Oops. Writing on papyrus was good enough for me and your mother, and it'll be good enough for you too, young lady. <laughs> now go chisel a slit in the wall so the sun will shine in your face at 8 o'clock. You've been sleeping in too often, and I don't want the gods to see you slacking off. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you're like four years older. 
<laughs> Literally. Four years old enough to be your mother. <laughs> sure. The coffin texts are seen as a central body of texts in the so-called democratization of funerary practices, and in some cases, beliefs. Ooh, poor people get to have beliefs, too? Well, you know, a couple of them. <laughs> This, of course, refers to the appropriation of the body of texts originally apparently reserved for kings and queens and the use of them by the masses. Mm. Can you just hear the chanting of the lower class peoples of ancient Egypt picketing in the town square? What do we want? Democratization of mortuary practices. <laughs> when do we want it? How about when now? We're dead. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> that's pretty much exactly how I imagine it went, except for that last bit. Yeah. Yours makes a little more sense, actually, so <laughs> I defer. In other words, the difference between the pyramid texts and the coffin texts is fairly self-evident. It's in the name. So the pyramid texts were found in pyramids, so the burial places of royals, while the coffin texts were found in coffins, i.e. the burial places of your average working-class Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in summary, pyramid texts, coffin texts, developed from one central concept, aiding the dead in the afterlife. Right. The, the purpose of these texts was to orient and reassure the soul of the deceased once it awoke in its tomb following the funeral. So you die, you're buried. Once you're about to enter the afterlife, you wake up in your tomb and you're like, whoa, what the hell? I mean, <laughs> what, what, what? What? what in the field of Aru just happened? The soul would be unused to the world outside of the body and would need to be reminded of who it had been, what it had done, and what it should do next. A soul wakes up inside its coffin, and there's like a zillion hieroglyphs carved in the lid in front of its face that just translate to, dude, you're dead. Oh. <laughs> the texts were named after where they were originally found, and that's the timeline of death's democratization. So first royals had access, then the average Egyptian. As you can imagine, this trend of surviving the afterlife, literally, mm-hmm. we'll get to that shortly, became a hot one and it wasn't long before everyone <laughs> wanted to get their dead hands on this handy uh, see what i did there um afterlife aid it was a hot trend kind of like snap bracelets only instead of smacking your wrist with a flexible ruler for the sake of fashion you applied afterlife survival knowledge to your tomb exactly like (laughs) also (laughs) the latter trend lasted for thousands of years instead of like for a hot minute in the 90s Mm. yeah come to think of it maybe this is less like snap bracelets than i originally thought (laughs) moving on in summary bring snap bracelets back (laughs) r.i.p snap bracelets (laughs) anyway this trend became so hot around 1570 bce i mean Anyone who was anyone wanted to kick it with the divine gods in the extra-perfect afterlife version of Egypt. Mm. That scribes who were experts in spells... Okay, wait. I'm changing my career path. (laughs) I'm going to go with scribe and also expert in spells. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Scribes were consulted to fashion custom-made books for individuals or families. Mm -hmm. If someone was sick and they feared that they might die, they would go to a scribe and have them write up a book of spells for the afterlife. Nice. The scribe would need to know what kind of life the person had lived in order to surmise the type of journey they could expect after death. Hmm. Then the appropriate spells would be written specifically for that individual. (laughs) Um, Have you been, as they say, 
A dick. <laughs> we have a spell for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then who would admit that? <laughs> Just, I mean, the gods are going to find out. Right. So. It's like, well, I guess this is, as they say, time to uh, pay the piper. Mm-hmm. So I might as well be honest. As more and more people desired their own Book of the Dead, scribes obliged them, and the book became just another commodity produced for sale. Mm. In the same way that publishers in the present day offer print-on-demand books or self-published works, the scribes offered different packages to clients to choose from. They could have as few or as many spells in their books as they could afford. Cha-ching! The individual could decide the number of chapters to be included, the types of illustrations, and the quality of the papyrus used. The individual was limited only by his or her financial resources. Some things never change. Yeah. This was a thing until about 30 BCE, so for over 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. That's so many years. Mm -hmm. Where are all these babies now? Babies? For a culture that left behind so many carefully preserved artifacts, I don't know if I've seen any of these in person when I've gone to ancient Egyptian museum exhibitions. Oh, the books of the dead. Yes. I thought you meant literal babies for some reason. (laughs) People can have a lot of babies in 1,500 years, but Mm. they're perishable. Yeah. That's in the scrolls. If you had read any, you would know. Not all Egyptians could read, but soon even the ones who couldn't wanted Book of the Dead scrolls in their tombs. Mm. I said it about measuring the rib cages of skeletons, and I'll say it again. Dream job! Being illiterate? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, Hephzibah, I have a bit of a cough and suspect I might be on my way to meet Osiris soon. Think you can whip me up a book about how to meet the maker and pass the plethora of tests and riddles that surely await me before I reach the fields of reeds? <laughs> A coffee? Well, that's rough, but like I always say, better prepared for the afterlife than caught with your pants down. Oh, what if that's the first trial? Just (laughs) seeing how adequately fastened your pants are. So don't forget your suspenders. Something, something crocodile and maybe a fire trap or two. Let's throw in an invisible walkway. You have to throw marbles on to navigate. And uh, yeah, that'll be 300 coal sticks or whatever our unit of currency is. Good luck. Yeah, we can tell from looking at a lot of these books of the deads that some were made by fancy scribes that could read and write. Oh, so fancy. Yeah. And some were copied off those first ones. Aww. Some of the spelling or the symbols are wrong mm. or they spelled the person's name wrong or just like there's a spot for that soon to be deceased person to write their name in only nobody ever did and that spot is still blank so guess that person didn't make it past their afterlife exams or whatever Mm. so we can tell that not only were there some scribes writing these scrolls who couldn't read but also that the person buying the scrolls couldn't read either yeah they die are birthed out into the afterlife meet the gods and it's like some nightmare version of going to a coffee or bubble tea shop where they get your name wrong (gasps) on the cup and you don't know they're calling you for a while and then it's all embarrassing when you finally do go up after like 10 minutes and everybody's like why are you making the poor girl yell for you and you're like my name is not Shay it's Faye only instead of a bubble tea girl it's an Egyptian god with like scary animal body parts oh um 
this sounds so dumb to me, but maybe Egyptians were really good at marketing. Like people can get tricked into buying anything if the marketing is good. So that's true. Did we mention we have a Patreon? Because nothing says good marketing like, hey, did I tell you that I have a thing? <laughs> did I mention yet that you can give me money? <laughs> yeah. And now, dear listener, if you've enjoyed this episode. And know that if we're not spending it on gas money to get to each other's houses to write down new episodes, we are using it on bubble tea. And or... we're saying our names wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you need to tell me? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like the least responsible thing. Or uh, getting a giant inflatable spider that we display on our lawns year ooh, round. That's not a bad idea. Actually. Somebody in has a friggin' huge one. Yeah, I don't want to say the neighborhood name, but they haven't had it out the last. Damn it! I'm gonna write them an angry letter. Mm-hmm. Put that damn spider out. Put I know it out. Have it in there. Or you'll know what real fear is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wasn't going to be quite that menacing, oh. but I like your tactic. I just go for it. <laughs> if at this point you are absolutely on mm. tenterhooks and can barely stand the suspense of not knowing what the information contained in these texts was, I shall keep you on tenterhooks no longer. However, if you are on tenterhooks for the definition of the word tenterhooks, I will have to leave you in suspense in that regard. Look it up. Is it an Egyptian thing? No, but it's such a good word. Hmm. Tenterhooks. I'm going to bring it back. Tenterhooks. Rolls off the tongue. Nobody's going to look that up. People what? listen to podcasts because they don't have time to read. <sighs> Way to burst my party <laughs> balloon. So keep your tenterhooks to yourself. Never! <laughs> Actually, you may have heard of the most well-known spell already. Spell one, two, five. Remember how I said that clients could choose from different packages yes. and the number of spells contained therein? Also, yes. Mm-hmm. This led to a lot of variety in the spell books, but there was one spell that was always included mm-hmm. from the most basic to the most elaborate spell books. That was spell 125. <laughs> this is the judging of the deceased person's heart by the god Osiris in the Hall of Truth. You know that image with the two scales? One scale has a heart, and the other scale has a feather, and the feather must be heavier than the heart on the scale, and it will be if the deceased has lived their life according to Mat, the <laughs> Egyptian moral Mat, the Egyptian moral ideal of truth, justice, righteousness, and so forth. If the feather tips the scale, the soul passes on toward paradise. If the heart is heavier, it is thrown onto the floor where it is devoured by the monster goddess Amit, and the soul would cease to exist. So basically, ancient Egyptians believed the reward for living a good life was eternally hanging out with the gods, and eternal punishment for living poorly was annihilation. Whoever failed this test simply ceased to be after Amit ate their soul. I have a lot of questions here about Amit's digestive system, but we try not to be too visceral on this show, so I'll just leave that to your imagination, dear listener. Ancient Egypt was home to some scary monsters IRL, so Mm -hmm. who better to devour souls than the demon goddess Amit? Maybe it's Amit? Mm. I don't think we currently know exactly how to pronounce it, since it's spelled arm, owl, owl, loaf of bread. Yeah. (laughs) 
But that equates, as far as we know, to A-M-M-T, which, I mean, English doesn't make a lot of sense either half the time, but there's no vowel in there. Anyway, the name doesn't matter so much as how this bitch shows up, because she's rocking the head of a crocodile, the body of a leopard or lion, and a hippopotamus's backside. Oh, that's not too flattering. (laughs) Imagine having to address hundreds of gods and don't get their names mixed up, then answer a zillion riddles and don't get any wrong. Mm. And then getting eaten by a crocodile, Mm. digested by a leopard, Mm. and pooped out by a hippo. No. No, thank (laughs) you. I honestly don't know if it gets any worse than that. Mm. I imagine a meets anus is a black hole. (laughs) Why are you imagining that? (laughs) Because after passing through the digestive tract, you get pooped out and simultaneously turn inside out and cease to exist. Oh, no. That's how the whole thing would work. Oof. Sometimes Amit hangs out near a lake of fire and just drop kicks your heart in there to burn up to a crisp. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse, but mm. damn, better be a good little boy and eat your peas. <laughs> I'm eating everybody's peas after that. <laughs> so there was actually considerably more to spell 125 than the heart wing. The soul had to know how to address several gods, as well as the 42 judges who presided with those gods over the afterlife's hall of truth. Mm. I find it interesting that the number of judges in the afterlife is the same as the answer to life, the universe, and everything, according to Douglas Adams. Oh, yeah. coincidence. Uh, I think I read that sometimes they even had to address the floor that they were walking on in the afterlife. Yes. And it asked them riddles. Mm-hmm. Or they had to know its top secret floor name or something like that. Yes. I'm starting to get it. If I suspected that there was even a chance I would have to go through this shit in the afterlife, I would pay someone to make it easier, too. Mm-hmm. Cliff notes for the dead. Yeah. This is the ultimate long con, since you're literally dead before you find out if any of it is true or not. And then if it's not, you're without form, so you can't, like, try to get your money back or hire a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Another part of Spell 125 was the negative confession. Oh! We have arrived! It's all been leading us to this point. Full circle. Circles! Circles! (laughs) Don't! Now you've jinxed it. (laughs) A soul was required to recite the negative confession before this tribunal of 42 judges. The negative confession, also known as the Declaration of Innocence, is a list of 42 sins which the soul of the deceased can honestly say it has never committed when it stands in judgment in the afterlife. Mm. Number one, I have not committed sin. Mm. Number two, I have not jumped anybody and stolen their Mm -hmm. Number three, I have not stolen, which I kind of feel like I already said that was number two, Mm. but whatever. Four, I have not done the murder to anybody. Mm. Good. Five, I have not stolen food. Hmm. Six, I have not swindled offerings, which, again, I feel like maybe some of this is a bit redundant. Hmm. Uh, But seven, I have not stolen from the gods and goddesses, which I think that's the same as offerings, but I guess it depends on the translation. Hmm. Maybe we're just covering all our bases here. Hmm. I have not told lies. So, you know, if you've done any of these other ones, they just got you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have not carried away food, which... Hmm. Again, we already covered the food thing, so I think this one is more like maybe taking home leftovers from a party. Oof, I am done on this one. <laughs> I am out. Those judges are like, see ya, I'm and out. You were doing so good. <laughs> I have not cursed. Well, sh- 
me on that one. Yeah, that's I a tough one. I have not closed my ears to truth. Hmm. I have not committed adultery. Oh. Further down the list yeah. than the thing with the leftover food. <laughs> I can't tell if we're getting more important or less. Mm. Uh, I have not made anyone cry, Aww. so anyone that knows me is going to I'm at hell because I'm the ultimate easy crier. <laughs> I have not felt sorrow without reason. Ooh. Way to shame depressed people. Yeah. It's a mysterious brain chemical. You can't just put that on people, and also you're not helping because mm -mm. now they have anxiety about I'm <gasps> at hell on top of everything else, oh. and also life is hard. Yeah. <sighs> I have not assaulted anyone, in hmm. case you missed it the first time. Okay. I am not deceitful. I have not stolen anyone's land. I have not been an eavesdropper. I have not falsely accused anyone. Hmm. Salem witch trials looking at you. <sighs> I have not been angry without reason. I mean, but if you have a reason, though, like, then it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's just natural. Yeah. I have not seduced anyone's wife. I'm safe on that one so far, but no promises. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I have not polluted myself. Oh. I don't know. I feel like we're really just at the point of trying to make this list as long as possible just for the sake of the thing. Hmm. I also don't know if that's like an alcohol thing or a masturbation thing. Maybe oh. they were really into clean eating or something. Yeah. Well, processed foods were like basically just cooked then, you know? Oh. Like, they didn't have any Twinkies or anything. Right. Just basically the original paleo diet. Right, right. Okay. Uh, probably a sex thing. Mm. Uh, I have not terrorized anyone. <laughs> <laughs> now I terrorize everyone. Am it hell for you? I have not disobeyed the law. Capital L. I have not been exclusively angry. Hmm. So you can't be angry without reason, and you also can't be exclusively angry, just to be clear. Yeah, I like that they're not ruling out anger. They're just, like, hyper-specific about the kinds of anger that you're allowed. <laughs> right. Only if it's justified and temporary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Phew. Okay, skating by on that one. <laughs> yeah. I have not cursed the gods or goddesses. Damn it. I have not behaved with violence. <laughs> I have not caused disruption of peace. I Ooh. have not acted hastily or without thought. Safe. Overthinking things for the win. Yes. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Pays off. Knew that would come handy. I have not overstepped my boundaries of concern. What? I have not exaggerated my words when speaking. Uh... So, like, whoever wrote this is Amit Poop for sure. <laughs> I have not worked evil. Work, 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 work. <laughs> oh, I think this means black magic. Oops. Oh. Uh, I have not used evil thoughts, words, or deeds. Hmm. I have not polluted the water, so no pooping in wells. Check. Oh, oh Nope. Actually, I poisoned a well once. So. Ooh. I'm at, like, what, a B minus here? Is this thing pass-fail? Mm, I don't think it works like that. Mm. I have not spoken angrily or arrogantly. I have not cursed anyone in thought, words, or deeds. Guilty. Mm -hmm. I have not placed myself on a pedestal. I have not stolen what belongs to gods and goddesses. Okay, I definitely remember that one already. Oh, yeah. I have not stolen from or disrespected the deceased. Define disrespected. Mm. 
Uh, I have not taken food from a child. They were very concerned about the leftovers. Oh. Also, what does if that just include <laughs> slapping the ice cream yeah. out of a child's hand? <laughs> does that include? Yeah, I'd like to know. <laughs> it's technically not taking if you just slap it onto the ground. Oh yeah, <laughs> then you give it to the ground. <laughs> You're just redistributing it. I have not acted with insolence, and I have not destroyed property belonging to the gods and goddesses. Has that come back? Yeah. Woof. So, you know, if you think you can remember all that on your own, by all means. But if you can't, I've got a scroll I'd like to sell you. Oh. And don't even think about lying, because your heart will betray you to the gods and sell your ass out if you try to hide anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so long and unnecessary, and I feel like they just did that to, like, scare people. So I think that no matter how good you've tried to be in life, there was probably at least one or two things in that list that caught your ear and basically means you're f***ed. Get ready to be omit poop. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that is unless, on the off chance, you're not going to pass that test with flying colors. I've got this other little spell I could sell you, and that's spell 30. Uh-huh. Tell me more. <laughs> Skull 30 was usually inscribed on a scarab carved out of precious stones that was placed over the heart of a mummified individual that needed a gag order put on the heart so nobody would find out what a fucking low-ass dirty rat they had been. Ooh. I bet it was popular with politicians. Mm-hmm. Oh, a scarab is a beetle, for anybody that doesn't already know that. And one translation of the inscription goes like this. Oh, my heart, which I had from my mother. Oh, my heart, which I had upon earth. I'm imagining maybe this was like a cool rhyme when they said it, but you know how it is with translations, right? Mm -hmm. Do not rise up against me as a witness in the presence of the Lord of things. Do not speak against me concerning what I have done. Do not bring up against me anything I have done in the presence of the great God, Lord of the West. That's Osiris. Hmm. Basically, it's just a carving of a bug with no snitching carved on the back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is where I'm pissed at how long that f-ing list of sins was, because who's not going to need one of these scarab beetles at this point? Mm-hmm. But how smart would it be to have made the list like, don't murder anybody, mm. and I don't know, don't poison anybody's drinking water? Well, oh. Maybe I should leave that one off so yeah. I'm safe. But whatever. So and then when someone comes into your magic spells shop. And they're like, hey, girls, uh, how much does one of those little scarab spells cost? You just, like, put them straight in jail. Mm. And then you'd say all cool, like, forget about the afterlife, buddy. I'd worry about the life if I were you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'll show them. (laughs) This painstaking process more or less held for all individuals, regardless of social stature. So another great democratization. (laughs) Sizer. <laughs> uh, but in their final form, the remains of the rich were easy to distinguish by the luxurious and expensive accoutrement that adorned their coffins and the goods placed in the chambers that ultimately housed their bodies. Yeah, like stone scarabs, you filthy lying liars. <laughs> <laughs> High class organs were laid to rest in alabaster jars. Fancy faces were swaddled in masks made with gold and silver. In a series of six tombs adjacent to the Saqqara Funeral Parlor, according to National Geographic, wealthy bodies were buried at the lowest depths. 
which were believed to be closest to the underworld. Hmm. I know what you're thinking. Can I use high-class organs for my garage band name? I was thinking that. <laughs> you might have to take it up with the author of the Smithsonian article I just read from. Hmm. But take it from someone who took one whole semester of legal issues in the music industry class. You're probably fine. <laughs> Ooh, one whole semester of legal issues in the music industry. Nice brag. Yeah, I mean, I don't like to throw it around, but I did get a C, so minus probably. Ancient Egyptians mummified bodies likely because the physical body was needed periodically in the afterlife in the field of reeds. Was it that their immortal soul needed to reference their body, but there was no way for a non-physical soul to come claim it? Okay, we all need our bodies for phase two of life, where we go to the field of reeds. Get it. Yep, let's definitely preserve the ever-living body for phase two. Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Meanwhile, back in the dusty, airless burial chambers in Egypt, where all these grave robbers wondering why the mummies stayed so amazingly well-preserved weeks and months later, if the soul was going to swing right on back to pick up the body after the soul finished up with the various difficulties and judgment in the Hall of Truth? If they actually needed their bodies, wouldn't those bodies disappear from the tombs? Or is it like an ooky, spooky, ancient version of Simon Says? Osiris says, go touch your mortal body. Now, Osiris says, come back to the fields of reeds. Okay, go and re-inhabit your old decaying flesh. Uh, uh, I didn't say Osiris sucks. <laughs> and so far, the explanation is that they believe that souls were made up of three parts. The Ka, the Ba, and the Ach. Mm. The Ka exists in the living realm. The Ach exists in the land of the dead. And the Ba, that one's often shown as a bird with the head of the deceased person in their um, paintings and drawings. Um, He can travel between the two realms of the living and the dead. So Mm. those dudes need to, like, meet back up at home base sometimes. Sure. That home base being the body where they are all used to hanging out together. So Mm. then they thought that if something happened to the body, these soul parts don't have any way to find each other and could get lost. And then the soul is fucked and it just kind of, like, fades away. So basically what you're saying is... The body was like the corner store hangout stoop. Yeah. Of the afterlife. Yeah. Got it. This is all before cell phones, so it's not like they can just call and figure out where they're missing soul pieces, which honestly, I don't know. I'm kind of really disappointed in almost all of this. I've always thought that the ancient Egyptians were so magical and brilliant and had all kinds of magical secrets and shit. And now this whole thing just sounds like a really manipulative cash grab. No. If nature's natural process is to break down dead bodies, then the natural process of the soul's journey can't include the body needing to stay intact. Did everyone who existed before the first mummification just blink out of existence or go to some eternal hell realm? Hmm. And illiterate Egyptians had these complicated scrolls made for them hoping that, what, they would wake up from being dead and suddenly know how to read a language they'd never learned in life, but lack the skill to find the other two parts of their own soul unless they're all, like, gathered up at the corner store with the payphone. (laughs) Anything that's way overly complicated and you have to pay your way through the system is bullshit and elitist. Ouch. I call bullshit. 
Yikes. I am disillusioned, and this is all garbage. I quit. What? Again? <laughs> Man. How about every time you quit, you owe me a dollar? It's going to be like the swear jar. <laughs> I will go to deathpartypodcast.com and find a tip jar. <laughs> oh, there's five bucks in here. Oh, it's all from Faye. <laughs> the end of the month you're like we're so popular and rich look at all the oh, oh it's from you it's only pay we're paying ourselves to make a podcast <laughs> by quitting constantly yes On a lighter note, did you know that Tutankhamun was mummified with a 90-degree boner? <laughs> um, wow. I didn't, but I don't know why you did. I just learned about the important stuff. Yeah, clearly.